The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Welcome to those of you joining online. Last night, I uh, woke up and sometime in the middle of the night, I don't remember what it was, went to the kitchen to get me a drink, came back, and I checked where Red Dog normally sleeps and he wasn't there. And I had to turn the light on, ask Abby, where, where is the dog? And he was over um, in the bathroom because his beds was flipped up. I gave him a little pat on the head and got in bed and she said, what's wrong? Did you have a bad dream? I said, yeah, I had a bad dream. Um, and in the dream, uh, there was three things there in the dream. There was my truck, my daughter, Caitlin, and Red Dog, and there was this big man, and he was holding on to my truck, and Caitlin was in it, in it, and the truck was about to go off a cliff, and I was watching it all happen, and um, <laughs> like... <laughs> Caitlin, Caitlin was able to get out, but the big man couldn't hold the truck, and Red Dog had a bad fall, man, and he, 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 was, he was not going to make it. And so Abby had said, do you have a bad dream? Because you don't give him a pat on the head. I said, yeah. And she said, well, well I'm still okay, because I didn't give her a hug. I said, well, I didn't have a dream about you. <laughs> Sometimes I'll dream about her, too, you know, and I want to get in, you know, wake up and go, oh, it's just a dream. But the truth of the matter is sometimes it's not a dream. Sometimes we get a phone call. It could be a boss or um, saying, you know, hey, we're eliminating your position. Could be um, your parents say, we need to talk to you guys. And they begin to tell you that they're getting a divorce. Could be a spouse um, that begins to tell you that they're unfaithful. And in that moment, you feel like you're out of your body. It's an out-of-body experience, and time freezes, and it feels unreal, but it's not. And you're not going to wake up because you're already awake. And the only thing you can do is respond and feel in your heart, no. And you try to hold it together on the outside, but on the inside you're dying, and you just have this terrible turmoil going on as you're trying to navigate through a very painful experience, and trauma sets in, and it is very difficult to deal with. And um, no one understands that like Jesus. And that's what we started to learn about last week, is that Jesus, man, Peter says, he himself bore our sins in, in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. And the word healed there is the word iaomai, and it means to make whole. Okay, so that's what happens when the Lord does something in us, especially when we meet him for the first time, we describe this experience of getting saved or being born again. And really what is happening is we are being made whole. We're not being made perfect. We're perfect. We take on his righteousness. He's perfect. But what is happening is the broken man or the broken woman is being fixed. And because that takes place doesn't mean that we never do experience any kind of pain again. Or our brokenness because of the flesh that still remains doesn't show up or because of the evil that exists in the world and we have to navigate through these things. And the Lord in the midst of that does some of his best work. And so in the midst of brokenness, the Lord um, wants to heal us and show us how to live. And so I want to dive a little bit deeper into this whole idea of wounds and pain. And then next week we're going to talk about... Um, healing works, like the works of healing, 
And then, and then we'll follow that up with some, some pathways to healing that I think are really important. And I, I know they're important for a couple of reasons. One, um, I see them in the Word, and that's the most important part is I'm teaching you from the Word. Uh, two, I've, I've, in the last 30 years, walked a number of people through this. And I watch, I've watched, um, not always did people walk through it the right way. And so I've seen some people become whole, and I've seen some people that are still broken to this very day because they didn't choose the right path. Um, and then, most importantly, I've experienced it. I've walked through it myself. I've walked through my own pain, my own brokenness, and, and experienced the Lord moving in my life and making me whole when it felt like all was lost. And so today I want to talk a little bit about how God uses um, this pain. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 30 says, Blows and wounds cleanse away evil, and beatings purge the inmost being. I bet you don't have that one written on the mirror somewhere, right? <laughs> That's what it says. There's power and productivity in our pain and wounds. Is there When we're walking in the midst of something very painful, Again, the Lord can do some of his best work. And sometimes, you might find this shocking, sometimes God will literally wound and heal our souls to make them stronger. Now, we know this because he did it with the nation of Israel. Um, and this is one of the reasons that the Lord calls us not to rebel from him. As if we do, it's sort of like a shepherd with a sheep. There's a great book called the 23rd Psalm. The shepherd interprets the 23rd Psalm or something like that. I don't remember the exact title. Great book. But he talks about all the things that a, um, a shepherd will do for a sheep. And, and usually there's a sheep that, that, that'll be in a flock. And if it continues to try to get out, then it will influence all the other sheep. And all the other sheep will start to get out and do things that harm themselves. And so sometimes the shepherd will literally break the sheep's leg to nurse it back to health to show it that it is completely dependent upon him. And so God does things like that. He works in our lives in that way. Um, and, and we see that it's usually, not it's usually, it is caused by our own rebellion. The Lord will chasten those whom he loves. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 26, talking about um, the second coming of Christ, he says, the moon will shine like the sun, and the sun, uh, the sunlight will be seven times brighter, like the light of the seven full days, when the Lord binds up the bruises of his people and heals the wounds he inflicted. And so um, suffering can be good and at the hands of God. Certainly, we look at Jesus. Um, he is the God-man, and he suffers. Um, he suffered for our transgressions. But it can also be, um, not only can it be at the hands of God, it can be a terrible thing um, that is caused by evil and that God never intended it. And that's really, really important for us to understand the difference between the two and not always look at things that are happening in our lives and saying, well, God caused this to happen because I'm being wayward. That, that may not be the case at all. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud has uh, written in a book, I think it's called How People Grow. And he says, um, this illustration of the two, he says, suppose you left work one evening and a guy in a mask walked up to you in a dark parking lot. 
He stabbed you in the stomach, left you unconscious, and took all your money. You'd call the police, and you'd been attacked by a thief. But suppose you left and drove to the hospital, and a guy in a mask came to you in a brightly lit room, took out a knife, cut your stomach, and took all your money and left you unconscious, you'd call him a doctor, right? One is a mugging, the other is a surgery. And so that's, that's how pain is, is sometimes... We are getting spiritually mugged because of the evil that happens in the world and someone else doing something evil. And sometimes it is at the hands of God because we are rebelling from what God is trying to show us and teach us. We continue to ignore him. And sometimes he's performing some surgery on us, and and he certainly will. And every wound that you experience is not caused by God or sin. Some are the result of evil. But here's the kicker. God will use both of them to grow you. He just will. Like, and, and they're going to happen. We're not insulated from them. None of us. Does it matter if we're in the ministry or, or we're just 100% sold out to the Lord? Like they, they will happen um, because of the fallen nature of the world itself. And so when someone is mugged, we don't want to say God is trying to teach you a lesson. That's a, that's a wrong theological view of God. Sometimes pain is just the result of evil. And so here are some principles. Here are four principles that when pain happens, and some of you might be walking in pain right now, okay? And so specifically for those of you who are in the midst of pain in this moment in your life, this series is designed for you. It is also for those of us, like right now I'm not walking in any pain. I mean, I thank the Lord for that. <laughs> like I, I was like, oh man, sign me up for a big bucket of pain, all right? I don't want that. I wouldn't trade my pain that I've walked through for anything because of what is done in my life. But, but uh, I'm not walking in a painful situation right now. I could be by the end of the week. No guarantees about anything. And so in some of this, those of you who are walking through pain, like you, you, you walk through it and, and walk through it well. Those of us who are not, <laughs> the big thing for us is to take away from this series is one, kind of file it away for ourselves when pain does hit, and two is to open our eyes and realize, I guarantee you there are people all around you that are walking through pain. Sean was talking to me before service, and he said, man, it's kind of crazy. It seems like every one of your sermon series that when you start a new series, I just start seeing people that have to do with that all around me in my life. And then he kind of said, well, maybe it's kind of like when you get a certain kind of car, you start seeing that car everywhere. And that's the hope is that you recognize is that, man, there are people hurting. There are people walking through pain. And people need, um, they need other people who are healthy and not walking in pain to help them during that time. And it does a couple of things. One, it brings comfort to them. And two, it gives them hope because they see you not in pain. And so you can help them in a very powerful way as they're trying to walk through situations. But here here are four principles that when pain hits, um, you need to kind of understand what's going on. First of all, trauma shakes us to the core. Okay, it doesn't mean when you go through a painful situation and you're a believer, it doesn't mean that you have to be this real strong person and that you, you, you're not shaken. You will be shaken, and it's natural to be shaken when you're wounded. And trauma does some weird stuff to us. Uh, trauma does weird stuff to people. Uh, one time I was pulling this kid behind a, a boat. He was wakeboarding. 
He had never wakeboarded behind this boat. It was a pretty big boat. And uh, he, uh, he, he was used to being behind a smaller boat, and this thing threw a big wake. This was several years ago. And I had my two young boys in the boat with me. They, Joel and Jonah were, they were really young, about like Gabriel and Joshua, uh, Shay's boys. And this kid flies up in the air, man. He does one of them supermen, but he doesn't straight out. So he doesn't straighten out. Bam! He hits the water, and I shut the boat down, turn. And I look, and the kid is laying in a crucifix position, man. He never moves. And he had a helmet on and stuff, and I start moving the boat up there, and as we're kind of coming back to him, he's still not moving. And when we get to him, it's clear he's unconscious with his face in the water. And I just, you know, I had shut the boat down. I said, boys, don't move. And I dove in, and I, the water was real clear. And I come up under this kid. His eyes were wide open, and he did. He, like, it was not good. And I pushed him out of the water, and I started beating him on the back, beating him on the back. And finally, like, um, he just spit up a bunch of water. And, went, oh. and I was like, oh, thank the Lord. And he started saying, man, um, what the blank just happened? Man, what the blank just happened? I said, just breathe, man. I was terrified, right? I was terrified that this kid wasn't going to make it. I got him in the boat, and he just kept saying over and over, what the blank just happened? And I just started telling him, you almost died. That's what happened. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, that's kind of what, like trauma does weird stuff to us like that. Um, it, it makes us repeat ourselves. And sometimes when per a person is walking through pain, um, you'll notice this in a broken relationship. They just, keep, they just keep saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. And we can get annoyed by that. But we have to understand, man, the person has gone through trauma and they're desensitizing themselves to the experience. And the more that we can listen to them, the greater that we can help them. We don't always have to be able to like respond to them and tell them, yeah, but this, yeah, but that. Don't get into a debate with them. Sometimes just listen, just listen, let them talk, let them, let them get it out. Because what they're doing is they're desensitizing to the trauma. And that, that'll happen to you if you go through a very painful situation. That's, that's the first thing. I know about pain. The, the second thing is broken hearts always ache. They just always ache. And so as long as your heart is broken, it's going to ache. Now, um, and we'll get into this here in a, a, a little bit more in a moment, but if, you're, if your heart is broken, you may, it will ache and you may learn to deal with the pain, but it's still aching when you don't know it's aching. And you've just learned to deal with that. And so just understand, man, if your heart gets broken and it stays in that broken state, it will ache for the rest of your life until it is eomai, like it is made whole. And so you have to understand that. Hard hearts never heal. If your heart gets hard, it will never heal. And if you allow it to get hard, it will, like, what will happen is it will grow, um, it will, in this, you know, metaphorically, it will grow like scar tissue and, and it will survive, but it will not, um, it will never heal. And so it will, it will become, you, you could become a bitter person over brokenness if you don't walk through it in a healthy way 
and you will never be complete, and so you will be an unhappy person. You won't possess the joy of the Lord. You, don't, you won't have the things because of the brokenness. You become this really tough individual. And man, I, I'm telling you, culturally, um, people have, have been conditioned that this is the way you walk through a moment. If somebody hurts you, you just tough it out. You grind it out, and you, um, you don't process it the right way, and you kind of get into a war with a person, and you're going to show them how strong you are, and then you are like, well, okay, if you don't want to do this thing with me, I'll do it without you. And then your life becomes about showing them how bad they messed up, and your heart is hard, and it's, it's never, you never have what it is that you need to be able to offer to the other people in your life because your heart has become so hard and bitter. I think the Bible says something about do not let any um, root or, or seed of bitterness take root. And that's what happens in a hard heart. A seed of bitterness will take root, and that generally happens when we've experienced some pain. And so maybe... Maybe you, your, your parents, you don't, maybe you don't even know your biological parents. You never met them. And if you're not careful, then you, your heart can get hard over that, even though you've never met those people. Uh, the, the, you, you, you've got this hardness of your heart. And you have to protect yourself against that. And you've never walked through the pain of, why didn't my parents want me? And that's a reality, man, is that, um, sometimes because of people's selfishness, that happens. That happens to kids. And, and you may have some pain over that, and that's okay. It's okay for you to hurt that way because that's not the way it was intended to be. But what I want you to hear is don't let your heart become hard as a result of that. Let your heart stay soft toward God. Let that brokenness come out. Talk to the Lord about that and let him bring that, my, that wholeness, that completeness into your life and you will be better for it. And that brings us to the last principle I'm going to share with you is humble hearts become healthy. Like a humble heart, man, it, it, the Lord can do some work on that. If you face the pain in your life, the wounds in your life with humility, you will heal. Now, what is humility? Because humility feels like this small thing that we don't want to possess, but really, um, of all the character traits uh, that a person could have, courage, you know, we think of courage, I want to be thought of courageous and brave, or, or, or I want to be thought of as strong. Humility is more difficult to achieve than any of those. It's easier to be brave, and it's easier to have courage than it is to be humble. As a matter of fact, in order to be humble, you have to exercise courage and bravery. And so, like we look at Jesus and, and we say, man, what is the supreme characteristic of Christ? Some would say it's love. No, it's not. It's humility. The supreme characteristic of the Lord Jesus Christ, above all other human traits that he exist, exhibited, is humility. He left all that was glorious and humbled himself and took on flesh in order that he might love the world. And so humility is such a big deal. It's such a big deal for you as a leader. It's such a big deal for you as a, as a parent, uh, as a spouse, as, as, a, as a servant of the Lord. And so humble hearts, when it comes to being uh, broken and walking through pain of any kind, 
The first thing that is required for healing is a humble heart. It's just as humble, like I was talking about in this hard heart previously. Um, sometimes you don't want to admit to God that you're broken. And so you want to just be tough and strong. You have no humility. It is your pride that is getting in the way. And pride always goes before a fall. And it's one of the seven sins that's listed in the book of Proverbs that God hates. Why does God hate it? Because it's saying to God, I can do this without you. And I can do it without anybody else. Because I'm strong. And I'm courageous. If you're not humble, you're broken. And you will always be broken. So humility, man, humility, of, if you would ask for anything, you ask for anything from the Lord, ask for humility. And some have said, well, if you ever come to a point where you say, well, I think I'm a humble person, you're not. The humble people don't say that. Humble people realize, geez, there's so much more about humility that I need to learn. And I, I, boy, I'm trying to learn that and trying to learn that with, with, with in all of my relationships. And the more that I've found um, that I'm able to be humble, the more that I've seen the work of the Lord happen in my life. Um, for instance, you know, we, we celebrate this um, completion of the cross, and boy, we got a big landscaping design uh, that, that we received this week, and so we're excited about that as well. Uh, but the, the whole thing, man, how we ended up getting to be able to do it was I had to like step into humility and say, stand before the congregation and say, we really don't know what to do. And as a leader, you don't want to say that. And we say, we've done all of this planning and it's way too expensive. We're at a loss. We don't know what to do. And the Lord showed up right in the midst of that. Um, I think, I really believe in my heart if I had tried to build a strategy around how we're going to do this, even though it seems impossible, I don't think it would have happened. I think it was the humility and even the leadership. I remember we were talking. I remember. If you guys don't know Quentin, most of you know Quentin. <laughs> when we got the numbers back, he, he was like, Quentin, Quentin is like this guy, and he, he, he's real like even kill, but sometimes he can get a little, you know. <laughs> that's that red hair in him, I guess. And um, he, he finally, he's like, he's like, yeah, this is embarrassing. And that's the way we all felt. But we had to humble ourselves before the Lord, and then the Lord made a way. So in pain, that's what you have to do, man, in brokenness. Don't try to act like you're not hurting. If you're hurting, be vulnerable, first and foremost, with the Lord, and second, with yourself, and then be vulnerable with other people. Because what happens is other people begin to pray for you, they begin to encourage you, and you start to have hope in your life because of your willingness to be humble. So never, like, never, never feel like as a follower of Jesus that you can't just step into your brokenness and, and all of the messiness. Because, man, if you, read the, if you read the stories in the New Testament, that's where Jesus did the most impactful stuff woman at the well, all these inappropriate relationships, and he steps right into the middle of her mess. And she was, man, she was kind of debating him. And there was no movement happening in her life until all of a sudden she admitted that there was something about Jesus and something really special about him and something really messed up about her. And she stepped into humility, and it wasn't for long before the whole town of Samaria was coming out to hear about Jesus, whom she said was the Messiah, and told her everything that she had ever done. And she got movement in her lives, or her life. And here we are, two thousand years later, talking about her. 
Why? Because she um, admitted her brokenness to the Lord. And so, man, if you're, if you're there, maybe you're there. And only like one or two people, maybe one person knows you're broken. Maybe the challenge for you today is tell two or three more people this week. Maybe before you tell two or three more people, you just start having some conversations with the Lord about your brokenness and how hurt you are because of what someone or what this thing happened a long time ago. And I say this, you go, man, I'm not sure exactly what it is that, that is bothering me, but I do know there's some messed up stuff uh, uh, inside of me, and I, I, don't, I haven't really thought about it. And how am I going to figure out what it is? Let me tell you, it was spring here. Just get behind the mower. The hum of the mower, mm, that vibration, and everything that is bothering you will start to surface. There's something about the Mozone that just brings up <laughs> that stuff, right? And you'll start talking to yourself because you think nobody else can hear you, man, and you're there in that vulnerable place, and you'll see the things um, that you really like are, are bringing some grief to you. So th those are some principles about pain, <clears throat> that you got to walk through. Here's the second thing I want you to take away. God never wastes a hurt. See, never, like no hurts that you ever experience, whether they're, they're mild and not that intense or they're very deep and very intense, the Lord will never waste them. This is what um, Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. What? Let me read that again. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. Now, I appreciate you guys laughing. If you were all crying right now, it would not be easy to talk to you. But that's not what this verse is saying. It's saying it would be good if you were all sad um, and you all had sorrow. Why is the writer saying that? It's because it's good for the heart because sadness eventually goes away and the heart becomes happier and more joyful and is even able to celebrate. Um, boy, I tell you, there are, things, there are things that as you look in life that make you sad, uh, that, that if, you, if you interpret them the right way, they can make you glad. You see, so, you, you walk with someone who's going through something difficult and you're not walking through that, it can make you more thankful for the relationships in your li life, your kids being healthy, your, your wife or your husband being present in your life. There's always somebody walking through something a lot more difficult. And I think that's what the writer uh, here, Solomon, is trying to say is embracing pain and suffering is, is something that you can begin to recognize can, it's, it's very it can, it's like putting on armor. It's like protection when you embrace it. And when you run from it, it can be very destructive. But when you embrace it, it can be a very powerful thing. Because suffering can take us places with Jesus where comfort cannot go. Like C.S. Lewis says, Jesus, he whispers to us in our pleasure but he shouts to us in our pain. And so we get, we get really super sensitive to what the Lord is saying to us in our lives when we're walking in pain. And so like a painful, that's what, what Solomon is saying. He says sadness can be really good 
Because eventually the Lord can do a work in the midst of that sadness and bring about gladness and make us deeper people. The the Apostle Paul, one of the most famous passages of Scripture um, to the believer, in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, he says this to us. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, we just finished this whole series about the pneuma of God, the Holy Spirit. What does he do? Many teachers, he reminds. But here's the many helps us in our weakness. There's where that humility becomes really important because it takes humility to recognize where you're weak. He says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so God, man, he never wastes a hurt. Boy, I, I get emotional. I start to think about, yeah, I don't know who, who, who's hurting here. But we got enough people here this morning. You're, you're hurting. And probably all of us, if we're honest, are hurting about something in our lives. Some of us are hurting in deeper ways than others. And I, boy, I, I, um, I, I look at, I, I begin to try to think about who is walking through that. And I'm reminded of my own pain and I, it, it moves me. And what, what, you need to hear today, if you're there, is that God's going to work that out for good if you let him. And that's hard to understand right now. That's hard to make sense of. And because you're like, there's no goodness that can come out of this. All I do is ache and all I have is pain. I can't sleep at night. I don't have an appetite. Things are so broken in my life. And so the spirit, man, he intercedes for you in the midst of that weakness. And he will work it out for good. And you've got to hold on and let him do his work and watch him work and, and realize that, man, God never wastes a hurt. So the hurt that you're walking in right now, the Lord's not going to waste that. He's going to use that if you'll let him, if you'll be humble. But if your heart gets hard, then not only is it true that God will work out for the good those who love him, like we're loving him in the midst of it, he will work it out for the good. And the devil himself, man, as we rebel from God, then he can work it out for the bad. I guess we walk it out in our humanity, walk it out in our flesh, do the things that feels good to us in the moment, let the hard heart rule. Then what happens is we get further and further broken and more and more damage um, happens. And you go, oh, geez, that's exactly where I'm at. What am I going to do now? Humble yourself. And you just got a little bit messier. Things got a little messier, but the Lord will still work it out for good. So just know, man, I got to yield to the Lord. There's a pathway that he will lay out for you. And again, we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. But you yield to the Lord, let him do his work, and you will begin to see, yeah, my wholeness, completeness, the inner man being all that he or she is supposed to be. And so that brings us to the final takeaway. When it comes to pain, we either live with it or leverage it. That's, all, that's the only options. Um, you, you, you either live with it and just deal with the pain or you leverage it and start to grow. So good pain, as I shared last week, leads to life or leads to growth. You know what? Good pain leads to growth. Bad pain just hurts. 
It just hurts, and you learn to deal with it over time, and you think you're not hurting, but you really still are hurting. You've just learned to deal with the, with the pain. Bad pain just gets worse because we push it down, we avoid suffering, and then we repeat the old patterns. We repeat those same patterns, and it just makes us a more and more um, miserable person. And so here's what you should know about looking back. And so some of us have walked through some pain or you're going to try, you're trying to walk through it. Some of it's self-inflicted and some of it is inflicted by others. Um, When it comes to patterns in your life, the past should not impact the present unless it is bringing wisdom. Like the past Everything that has happened to you in the past should not show up in the present unless it is bringing wisdom to the situation. What is that? What am I talking about? I'm talking about shame. The the word says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So as you look back and you go, oh, I have this regret. I have this thing. No, you have brokenness. That the Lord has brought you, oh my, wholeness and healing. He has worked it out for the good. And if you let that come forward, let it come forward to bring wisdom to you or someone else who's walking through something difficult or just keep it back there. As far as the east is from the west, it should be in the sea of forgetfulness unless it is being used to bring about wisdom in a situation that you or someone else is walking through. And so if that's going to happen, Like, the only way that can happen, the only way that something that you have a regret about can show up in the present is that if healing takes place. Because if not, man, when it shows up, it's just going to bring shame with it. But if healing takes place, you can look at it and go, man, I can see how the Lord worked in the midst of all that mess in my life. He brought about healing, and I can use that for his glory because he worked it out for the good. And if, if, if you don't get healed from that, then when it comes up, you're going to get depressed. You're going to feel down. You're going to have regrets. You're going to think about all of the brokenness, how you failed, how you failed your kids, how you failed your parents, how you failed your spouse, how you failed, how you failed, how you failed, and the shame will crush you, and the enemy will crush you. But if you let Jesus into all that, and you let him bring that wholeness and that completeness, then what will happen is you will look at it and you will begin to, as we sing about these songs that, that, that talk about our sin and talk about all that the cross accomplished. Like you, sometimes when I worship and Sean is leading us and we're, we're, he's leading us through some lyrics that, that talk about how wretched we are, I literally will pause for a moment and think about some of the most vile things that I know that I've done. And then I will with joy express a heart of gratitude that I'm not condemned for those things. I'm praising the Lord for all he has forgiven me for. for. If we're not careful, then all of that could show up. And then we go, I can't sing to God right now. Look at me. I'm broken. He doesn't want to hear my voice. And the same thing happens to us in prayer. We feel like we, that's why people are terrified to pray in public. Now, some people don't like to talk in public, but some people are terrified to pray in public because they don't know how to talk to the Lord in private because they're afraid to talk to the Lord because of all of the brokenness in their lives that they never talked to the Lord about because of their pride being in the way. 
And that's why the Lord hates it. If, if, you, if you humble yourself before the Lord, you will start having these conversations about your brokenness to which the Lord will respond back to you and say, you're not broken. I have fixed you. I have made you whole. I've made you complete. And now you're celebrating how the Lord has done a work in your life and you recognize that Christianity is not about what you do. It's about who you are. You've been adopted into the kingdom. And so now you're just talking to the Lord and somebody says, hey, would somebody like to pray? You're like, I'll pray. I talk to the Lord all the time. And the conversation just happens. And that's what, that's what Eomai does inside of us. It makes us whole. It makes us complete. And, and so we have to heal for that wisdom to come forward. And, and the, way, the, the, the other way that this works, you say, well, doesn't everybody have to heal? No, <clears throat> they don't. Because you, you might start to get a toothache. You're like, man, my tooth is bothering me. I, and then you start to chew on the other side of your mouth. And then you know, okay, don't drink hot. Don't let, just keep it going down the right side, not the left side. And you start, and then before long, you can even get a little bit desensitized to the pain. And as you get desensitized to the pain, you learn to live with it. But if you eventually, six, eight months later, decide to bite the bullet and go to the dentist, and they get down in there and they will put some more pain in you. And you know, they do all their work. And then you leave and you're like, oh, for the next couple of days, you know, you're just all sore. They put that stupid bite block in your mouth. Oh, geez, the dentist. I got a dentist story for you, but I'm not going to tell it right now. <laughs> and so... But then uh, maybe three days after that, you're, and you notice the pain, and you're like, ah. You didn't even know how much pain you had until the pain is gone. And that's what can happen if we're not careful with the pain that we experience is we stuff it, we learn to live with it, and we don't even recognize that we're walking around with a grimace on our face because of pain. I, boy, I tell you, there, there's, I had, a, a, I had a, a situation like that with my tooth. I had a situation like that with my, with my knee um, a few years ago. And I just, boy, I'd get tired, and I, I, I just would feel tired all the time. I'd want to go home and just sit in the recliner. And it didn't hurt. It wasn't hurting real bad. I just felt tired and couldn't stress it that much. And, and the doctor told me, he put me in a brace and said it'd be fine and, and just go, you know, I had a, probably a partial tear of my ACL, blah, blah, blah. Well, I did that for several months and, and, and then it, it never did get any better. So I went back and my insurance changed. So I had to see another doctor, you know, that drill. And he looked at me and he said, well, we need to get in there and have an MRI. I can't really tell what's going on. And so he did an MRI, and he brought me back to after he read that thing, and he told me what I had was a cyclops lesion. And that's a little scar tissue that grows up here, and it looks like a little ball with an eye, so they call it a cyclops. He said, we got to get in there, and we got to cut that out, and we got to burn it out. And he did, man, in like the next the few days, I was just like, zippity-doo-dah, zippity. <laughs> And I was like, I had no idea that that's what was causing all my discomfort. And so pain does that to us. Just like physically, when we're, we're dealing with some pain and we learn just to live with it, um, once we get it fixed, we're like, I had no idea. I mean, you see people have, have stints put in. Then you see them before the stint is put in. 
And they just, they just don't, they look miserable. And then they have a stint put in their, their arteries. And all of a sudden, man, they've got all this energy. And what is going on? He said, the brokenness is being fixed. Well, emotionally and spiritually, the same thing. And, and the Lord is he's showing us, man, when you walk through this stuff in a healthy way, I've come and by my wounds, you have been healed. Yeah, oh my. And so he wants to do a work in our lives. So the big idea of today's talk is let Jesus use your pain to grow your soul. Like when, you, when, you're, when you're walking in pain and you're like, every time, if it's a little bitty thing and somebody rejected you and didn't invite you to something, or if it's a really big thing and somebody 100% betrayed you and inflicted a terrible amount of pain on you, walk through it the same way. Leverage it. Leverage it and let the Lord grow your soul. And so my question for you is, how are you processing your pain today? Because... There are only three responses. We can ignore it. We can allow it to make us bitter. We can leverage it and allow it to grow our souls. And so look at your pain and go, man, I'm going to let the Lord grow me in the midst of this. And as he grows me, um, I'm going to take on new life. I remember my mom back in 2010, my dad passed away. Three years later, my brother took his life on Father's Day. And my mom may be watching um, th this morning. I don't know. Uh, but she watches during the week anyway. So hi, mom. Uh, is She got real busy. She went to Africa. My mom went to Africa like, I don't know, six times or something in the first few years after that. And, f and finally, I think she recognized. And she, she, I'm so thankful for how active my mom uh, has been after all of that. But she recognized that she was dealing with some deep pain. And she, we, never, we haven't talked about it a whole lot, but she did tell me she went to a, a retreat like this. She reserved a little cabin somewhere um, at the lake or something, and she went and stayed there. And I'm pretty sure what she had to do was really work through some grief and open it up to the Lord and let the Lord do some surgery on her. And so it's easy when we, have, when we lose somebody to just stuff it and get busy and just, you know, occupy ourselves with all kinds of activity. But getting busy doesn't mean we're well. Um, it may just mean that we're trying to stuff it deeper and deeper and keep our minds off of it. And so sometimes what we need to do is just get away, get alone with the Lord somewhere and let him start helping us navigate through the things um, that's causing all the pain. So I... I hope that you're processing your pain, and I hope that I'm able to encourage you to leverage it. Um, I'd be humbled to know that, that I was used to do that in your life, to teach you something. And, and what I want you to know is um, I know that being your pastor, that there's some of that that comes with, hey, you, you like look up to me and think, man, he follows Jesus, and I want to follow Jesus like him. Man, I've had to walk through some stuff before. Um, and the reason I know a lot about of what I'm talking about is because I've lived it. And so I want to encourage you, man, don't be afraid to face it. Don't be afraid to just step into it and let the Lord do his work. Leverage it. Leverage it. And you will grow.
and you will grow in ways that you didn't know were possible. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. So we close the service. I'll turn it over to Sean. Um, maybe you just pause for a few moments and pray about your own personal pain. If you'd like to visit some more about it, that's what me and the rest of the, the staff are, are here for. We'd love to do that. And you can let us know by email or a connection card. Put it in the back there on the way out. Or if you just know somebody, you're like, oh, geez, I wish so-and-so was here. Um, well, if they're not, you're here. And you can help them just because you're here this morning. And so maybe you pray for them and pray about that opportunity uh, to step into their pain with them and help them heal and become all that the Lord desires for them to be. But I want to pray over you and turn the service over to Sean. Again, um, we're a church. It's not about a one-time decision, though that decision is extremely important. We're a church. It's about following Jesus every day. And so all of us have to grow in that. And I hope you will come and follow Jesus with me this week. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your people, Lord, who have gathered here this morning. I pray for your blessing on their lives. For those especially, Lord, who are walking in the midst of pain today, that you would help them. That, Lord, their sadness as you heal them, would be turned into gladness. And right now, Lord, as all they have is hope, I pray that you would drop some breadcrumbs for them to follow. Let them see some wins in their lives that keep them encouraged. And I know, Jesus, you're so good about doing that. And I, I just pray um, for your people today. And I pray, Lord, that as a body of believers in this community, we would have our eyes wide open to identify the people who are walking through pain right now and it feels un un unbearable for them. Lead us to them and help us minister to them for you. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.